Episode 21. We're going to talk about international travel and the importance of having a security plan. This is the Crime School Radio Show, where industry experts discuss the business of fighting crime and prevention strategies for making places safe. Leading today's discussion is security expert, Chris McGoey. Welcome back to Crime School. Actually, I have to welcome myself back. I've been off the grid for a few weeks. I've been traveling in the Middle East. I had a little business to take care of, but then turned it into a extended vacation and brought my wife with me. Now, we're long-time independent travelers. We've been fortunate to be able to go to every continent in the world and over 100 countries. So we're very confident and very comfortable traveling alone in foreign countries. But this time it was a little different. The country where we spent our time, we no longer have an American embassy. So without that safety net, we wanted to be very cautious and take extra care in research and planning. Since we didn't know the terrain, we didn't know the cities, the transportation systems, we didn't speak the language, we're of an entirely different religion, and we're unfamiliar with the laws and the local rules, we found it best to find someone that could hold our hand, so to speak, and take us through the country and take care of all those little details for us. So what we like to do in this type of scenario is to find a reliable United States-based travel company to start with. And that'll maintain our connection with the United States wherever we are in the world. And they will be available to, to solve any problems that we have, hopefully. So we found an adventure travel company that was able to enter into a contract with a local Middle East travel agency so we had local expertise on the ground. So that solved the equation of having someone to take care of the language barrier that already had an established itinerary throughout the country and the, the cities that we wanted to see. And they supplied us with a tour guide who was actually a university professor and knew all of the information and historical details about all the sites we wanted to visit. Since they had an established itinerary already, the lodging, the hotels, the restaurants, the transportation was all established and tested. So we didn't have to wait, worry about some point of failure or surprise along the way. So that's kind of point number one. If you're going to a country that, that you're totally unfamiliar with and you don't speak the language, it's best to have someone there to help you navigate through all of those hurdles. Also in this country, it was quite difficult to get a travel visa and have all the proper travel documents. So we wanted to make sure that we proceeded carefully step by step and didn't make any errors. Now you will read typically, if you do research on the internet, the importance of checking with the US State Department for travel warnings to see if there's any political unrest or any serious security issues in a, in a foreign country. And I tend to agree with that, but I got to tell you, after decades of traveling internationally, 
that I find many times that the U.S. State Department travel warnings are often overrated or they're out of date or they apply to just a small area, maybe in a large city where there might be some political unrest. But normally when I arrive at a country, despite the warnings, I don't find any evidence to support some of the issues that were, that were stressed. Now we tend to prepay as much as we can before we head out on our trip. This allows us to carry less cash and not have that cash exposed to loss during the course of the trip. So if, if virtually all of our transportation, all of our lodging, all of our meals, everything are all prepaid, then we could plan better and travel much lighter than, than normal and not have a lot of out-of-pocket expenses along the way. Now, part of the planning for security and safety and to uh, help mitigate emergencies that might arise, we put together an emergency document retrieval plan. Now, this is something I highly recommend uh, for anyone. Uh, since I'm old, I've been doing this for a long time, I still use the old analog method, but then now have recently upgraded to a digital method. Now, let me tell you what I'm talking about. The analog or manual method is that we essentially prepared a large mailing envelope, and inside that envelope, we put all the details about our trip, all the contact information from the travel agents in, in all the different countries, the itinerary of all the cities we're going to visit, all the hotels we're staying in, all the contact information, copies of our airline tickets, copies of our passports, ex including the visas, copies of our credit cards that we're taking along, the front side and the back, and also copies of additional credit cards that might be needed in case of emergency. We also put in that emergency folder copies of any medical prescriptions that we might need, health insurance cards. We even have instructions about what to do in case of emergency, in case of a medical emergency, in case of death, uh, without getting morbid. I mean, anything anyone would need with instructions about how to act on our behalf. We put in there our car keys, our house keys. So you get the idea. Your list might be more detailed. And then that envelope goes to a family member or a trusted neighbor, whoever you could rely on and, and depend upon. Now, how this is used is somewhere during the course of your trip, if you lose all of your documents, and I got to tell you, after decades of traveling, I've seen this almost a dozen times, different variables where somebody loses their luggage. They lose everything, either through baggage handling, theft, robbery, whatever the case may be. They lose their airline tickets. They lose their passport, their visa, their credit cards, all their cash. I could tell you stories about uh, being in an airport, standing next to a man who's an experienced traveler, and he had a little hand carry bag. And in that bag, he had everything. Had all his ID, his passport, his medication, his glasses, his airline tickets, and he placed it on the ground between his feet. And I was standing next to him within two feet, and we were having a conversation. All of a sudden, he looks down and kind of exclaims, oh my God, and his bag is gone. 
someone had snuck up behind him and took this bag. Now, this was the first day of the trip to a country and a vacation that was going to last several weeks. Everything that he needed to continue on that trip was now gone. So there's lots of scenarios like that where it completely wipes out your ability to continue, but is also now a critical situation. What do you do? You've lost everything, all your contact information, your cell phone if you had one, your ability to pay for new airline tickets, for clothes, for medications, whatever you needed. Your glasses to be able to read or see are now gone. So if you're an independent traveler, you're going to have to rely on locals who may not speak your language to help you work through all these problems. Now, conversely, if you're traveling with a tour company and you're working with a local guide, they're there and they're prepared and they're experienced with helping you solve all of these problems. Now, if you don't have a backup plan at all and you don't have an emergency pouch, like I've stated, it's still an exp- extremely difficult situation to overcome. But at least you have help. At least you have someone who could start the process, make phone calls on your behalf, maybe loan you some money temporarily, see that you are provided with housing and food, where if you were by yourself, you would not be able to do that. You wouldn't be able to approach a hotel, get a room, go to a restaurant without any credentials, without any ability to pay. So what this emergency document retrieval pouch allows me to do is, if necessary, make a phone call or or emergency email to the holder of this pouch, and then they could quickly supply all these documents and all this information to me wherever I am. For example, if I went to a hotel and they had a fax machine or a computer, they can quickly get copies of my passport, of my visas, of my credit cards, any information that I need, they would have the ability to, to wire or send funds to get me back on my feet and be able to uh, recover and maybe either continue the trip or at least get home. Now, I've kind of taken this a step farther because the analog method required the holder of this emergency pouch to, number one, be home and be able to respond. And sometimes that would cause a delay. Now everything is scanned. The same documents are all scanned into digital files and they're kept in the cloud. So now anywhere in the world, I can go online and retrieve any documents that I need, any information, any contact information, all the phone numbers I need, all the medical prescriptions I might need, prescriptions to get new eyewear potentially. And it also allows me to get new travel documents uh, very quickly. So that's extremely important. I recommend to anyone, even if you're traveling internationally to a a very large, very modern city, I think you should have this type of documentation as backup. It would certainly make your life a lot easier. Now, without that, as you can imagine, you could really put yourself in harm's way if you're then now relying on strangers, if you're traveling independent and you lose everything to help you try to make these contacts. And it's very difficult if you lost all your contact information. People nowadays rely too much on their smartphones, too much on their tablets or laptop computers. They will put all this information in those electronic devices. And should they need them, they want to recover those. Well, imagine if everything is stolen or lost and you can no longer retrieve that. It's the old case of having all your eggs in one basket. 
And if you lose that basket, you lost everything. So by having the information, as I recommend, in the cloud, you can retrieve it regardless of whether you have those devices with you or not. So that's really my, my second primary recommendation. Put together an emergency document pouch with everything that you need, including a backup set of your house keys and your car keys. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Now, anytime I leave on vacation, especially for an extended period of time, I want to make sure that my home or my apartment or my condo is secured in my absence. Now, I've covered all this information about home security in other episodes at crimeschool.com, episode number two and episode number five. I think I go through a fairly extensive list about how to make your place somewhat burglar-proof. But I also rely on my neighbors, and, and, and in my case, I use my neighbor directly across the street. He's the one who's also uh, in charge of my emergency document retrieval pouch. But he's also the person who watches over my home in my absence. So along with this pouch, he has copies of the house key. He has keys to my car. In fact, that's another recommendation that I have is I don't like taking my car to the airport. And I asked my neighbor to give us a ride to the airport. And we reciprocate anytime he goes on vacation, like this week. So I'm charged with the responsibility of watching over his house. I drove them to the airport. So they don't have to worry about carrying their car keys or their house keys on vacation. Again, imagine if your luggage is lost or stolen. It's conceivable that you're also going to lose your car keys and your house keys. And imagine if you had parked your car at the airport that ticket that allows you to get your car out of that airport parking lot is also gone. So how do you recover? How, even if you're able to get back home on an airline, how do you get your car out of the parking lot? And I could tell you horror stories about travelers who've had to fight through just that scenario. They get home and they can't retrieve their car because they don't have the parking stub. They don't have a driver's license to identify who they are and they don't have car keys to start the car. So it just traumatizes you all over again once you're home and just another great expense to work through that scenario. So by having someone drop you off and pick you up removes all of that worry and all of that problems that might arise. So it's a contingency plan. So while I'm gone, the, my neighbor looks over our house. He will park his car in my driveway from time to time to make it look lived in. If it's winter time and we're traveling, and we live in snow country. If we often plow our driveway or, or shovel our driveway, my neighbor will make sure this happens. If there's garbage day or, or cans need to be put out on the curb, my neighbor will perform that function, even if the cans are empty, just to make the home look lived in. He will make sure that the newspapers don't pile up or the junk that appears on your doorknob uh, doesn't load up. He will make the home look lived in. And we do the same for him when he travels. Now, it's important that when we leave, I'm not active in social media anyway, but it's important that you don't post on social media that, hey, I'm off to the Middle East or I'm off to Asia on an extended vacation. You just don't want to put the word out there. Likewise, we don't cancel newspapers. We don't tell the post office that we're on vacation. We just go. And the only people that know are our trusted neighbors whose job it is to kind of watch over our property while we're gone. Now, the other thing we always do, we pre-authorize our neighbor 
to expend any funds they need if there's an emergency. If a pipe breaks, if a window is broken, if we're burglarized, if whatever happens, they're authorized to spend what they think it needs and they're using their best judgment and our behalf. And likewise, when we're watching over their home, if something needs to be done, we just take care of it and we'll get reimbursed later. I think the third major travel tip after traveling for decades internationally is traveling light and packing smart. When my wife and I travel for up to three weeks, we can make it in a single rollerboard each, a rollerboard luggage. That's one bag that's on wheels that fits in the overhead compartments of any airplane and one carry-on bag for all of our important personal items. That's it. So when we go to places, we're not going to be a fashion statement. And all you really need is just a few outfits that you, you rotate, you mix and match, and you travel light. It just allows you to circumvent that whole issue of lost luggage. I never turn my luggage over to a baggage handler. It never leaves my sight. If I have to get on a tour bus with my luggage, I deliver it to the bus personally. I watch it be loaded on the bus, and I watch it get unloaded off the bus. I never let a luggage handler take charge of my luggage and walk off or promise to deliver it to a room. When we pack, we, we don't bring a, a wallet, bring just necessary documents, one travel credit card, and we get that credit card pre-authorized for use in a foreign country, which is kind of important. If you don't do that, if you go to a foreign country and all of a sudden you start using your card in the Middle East, it's going to send up all kinds of red flags and your, your purchase might be denied. So you make sure that you have a card that could be used internationally. You let the, the card carrier know uh, that you're going to be using it for what periods of time so they won't be surprised by the uh, sudden use. We, we unplug electronically when we travel. These days, I do not bring a laptop. I do not bring a tablet. I don't bring a cell phone when I travel. I find now that on every continent that we've been to, even the what were formerly considered third world and undeveloped countries, everyone has a cell phone now. And their cell phones actually work. I find when people travel, even buying international SIM cards, that they often have trouble with service. It just doesn't work reliably. Or you may, not, you may have problems with international numbers. So I find it much easier just to use the cell phone of the guide, or, or almost anyone will let you use their cell phone if you have to make contact with someone. But otherwise, we're unplugged and we're disconnected. That eliminates the issue of securing your, your laptop or your tablet, worrying about them being stolen. There's also an issue when you're traveling, especially to the Middle East where we were. There's some sensitivities with uh, politics and with religion. You want to make sure you don't have anything on your laptop that might cause you to be detained. But I think you can imagine and kind of fill in the blanks that if you had something offensive on your your computer or your electronic device, it might cause you some real problems. So I just don't bring them anymore. So along with my emergency 
document retrieval package that's now on the cloud and that needs password access to get to it. And we carry two copies in each piece of luggage, my rollerboard uh, luggage and also my hand carry luggage. And my wife also carries a duplicate copy in her luggage. So again, if one set of luggage is gone or missing or stolen, we still have the other backup copies. And again, we keep our luggage with us at all times, whenever possible, never out of our sight. So in all the years and all the decades we've been traveling, we've never had luggage stolen or even temporarily misplaced. Now beyond that, we, we break it down even farther. If we're carrying cash, as I mentioned, we like to prepay as much as we can, can up front so we can reduce the amount of cash or credit cards that we bring with us. And we split that. We, no one person carries all the cash or all the documents. Uh, the money is divided between us. All the cash does not go in one pocket or one location. It's spread actually throughout the body. When I travel, I travel with uh, like cargo type pants with zippered or at least Velcroed pockets so no one could easily get in there without my knowledge. If I ever had, was confronted on the street or, or robbed, I could produce money only from one pocket and typically we'll, we'll, we'll do the job and I still have a reserve. I always carry my personal passport on my person at all times. And again, it's protected in either a zippered or Velcroed cargo type pocket. We bring, if we wear glasses, you bring backup glasses. If you pack necessary medications, you make sure, especially in a foreign country where drugs are outlawed, you want to make sure that your medication is in its original bottles. You might even want to bring copies of your prescriptions. So if you ever stopped or questioned, you don't want to be found with pills in a bottle that's unidentified. It can cause you to be detained, and I guess in worst case scenario, jailed if you don't have proper documentation. Also, as a matter of backup, if if the medication is necessary and somehow you lost these pills, you'd have the ability to find replacements or at least their equivalents in that foreign country. We no longer travel with a lot of camera equipment. The way you always pick Americans out when they're traveling internationally is they're wearing white sneakers, (laughs) brand new, and they're carrying an inordinate amount of camera equipment. It's ridiculous. And as they walk around, they're photographing everything or they have video cameras and they're photographing anything that doesn't move. And it just makes you stand out like a sore thumb as a tourist. And I think it draws attention to yourself. And also having the camera It's just one more thing you got to worry about. When you go somewhere, you always got to worry about your camera bag, your camera equipment, even if you leave it behind you in a room, whether it's going to be there when you come back. So we've cut down to just a small pocket camera, and it takes most of the pictures uh, just fine. Besides, when we travel, we want to see the sights with our own eyes, and we want to be able to focus on on the people without having a camera up between us and and snapping pictures of of everything. Now, lastly, a big thing is when you travel, part of our security plan is health management. I could tell you war stories, but I won't, about the number of trips we've been on internationally where people fell deathly ill. I'm fortunate that my wife is a nurse. So when we travel, we have our own emergency medical supplies with us. When we travel, number one, we make sure that we get lots of sleep. That's really, really important. The other thing that makes a difference is hydration. 
It's extremely important to drink lots of water when you travel. That helps you keeping your immune system up and not getting sick. Once you get dehydrated, we believe it exposes you to, to more situations. Now, speaking of lots of water, we only drink bottled water. Even if you're in a well-developed country, it's likely that the water system that they have is different enough from what you have at home that may contain some bacteria that your body is just not used to handling. So you're always better off on bottled water. And again, we carry our little emergency medical kit that gets us through that process. We also bring an ample supply of hand sanitizer. We're constantly either washing our hands or putting hand sanitizer on your hand. That keeps germs from spreading, or if you're invariably touching your face or your nose or your mouth, you're, you're going to uh, be much better off if you, if you keep your hands clean throughout the, the trip. So those are kind of the main things that we do to get through our trip without any serious incident or loss or, or illness. Of course, anytime you travel internationally, you have to behave yourself. There are different laws. There are different customs. There are ways where you can offend people. You don't want to engage in conversations about politics or religion. because You never know who's listening or, or how that may come back to, uh, to bite you. So that's about it is our, our general rules of thumb. We made it through the trip to the Middle East uh, to a place where few Americans have, have gone in the last 20 years. So we're glad to have seen this country and met uh, these, these great people and enjoyed uh, their very rich culture. And we'll continue to go to other places in the future with this detailed preparation and planning for emergencies, planning for contingencies, and having a backup of our backup systems. So if there's any one single point of failure, we're able to recover and either continue our journey or with injury or sickness, we have the ability to either self-medicate or, or get ourselves the care that we need so we can get ourselves back home safely. Every family, every situation is going to be a little bit different. What you do, what details you need to make, what plans you need to, to make. But I got to tell you that having a security plan before you travel, especially to a country that might have some regulations that are somewhat stringent, it's best to have these redundant plans in place to help you get through the entire trip without fanfare. I've prepared show notes for this episode at crimeschool.com 21. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I try to present a variety of educational topics but keeping with the theme of making places safe for people and property. The subject matter of Crime School is influenced by your feedback, so I encourage you to tell me about your ideas for future discussion. I'm always looking for a guest. If you have a particular crime or loss prevention expertise, you have a special legal background about liability, you have an interesting crime prevention product to review. Or if you're a crime victim with a motivating story and outcome to share, I want to talk to you. Now, I'm not very active on social media. I'm old. What could I say? I don't quite get it, but I'm trying to learn. Meanwhile, I appreciate those who are active in social media to share these episodes to attract others who may want to learn and benefit from this content. In fact, if you have an iTunes account, and you want to help others find Crime School, 
please leave us a five-star rating and review. That will really help us be discovered. I invite you to join the Crime School community. We're all like-minded people. You could provide your email address on any web page, any opt-in form on the Crime School website. In this way, you'll receive immediate notification of any new audio or video episodes published, or any special events for that matter. Thank you for participating in Crime School and for doing your part in making places safe. This is the Crime School Radio Show with your host, Chris McGoey. We invite you to comment on today's topic and join the Crime School community. For more information and show notes from this episode, please visit crimeschool.com.